We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 609 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, July 13th, 2023. One week from today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023, on which NFL owners are expected to approve the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris Group. My friends, we now are in the midst of the final seven full days of Dan Snyder owning our team. Are you prepared (laughs) for what's about to happen here? Have you prepared your parting gift for Dan and Tanya? Uh, We are so close to, to what we have all wanted for so long. And yet, as close as we are, Uh, You know, until next Thursday, it feels like we still have a ways to go, given what came out on Wednesday morning. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I am on location as uh, the Galdi family is wrapping up a trip to the beach. Uh, So I'm in a makeshift studio uh, that is a makeshift of my usual makeshift studio. So this is a makeshift of a makeshift. Uh, But yes, I am back with you for shows for Thursday and Friday of taking off a few days during the annual. Goldie Vacation Week that is the week of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Did you enjoy your 2023 MLB All-Star Game? A 3-2 win for the National League over the American League at T-Mobile Park in Seattle on Tuesday night. First win for the NL at an All-Star Game since 2012. Uh, if you are a Nationals fan, you love the All-Star Game. The Nats load All-Star starting pitcher Josiah Gray, a perfect bottom of the third and facing three Texas Rangers players. If you are an Orioles fan, uh, well, the All-Star Game was a bit rough with the closer Felix Batista struggling, including giving up the go-ahead two-run homer by Elias Diaz in the top of the eighth. But hey, Orioles outfielder Austin Hayes did have a single and Orioles reliever Yanir Cano did toss a scoreless at top of the sixth with two swings strikeouts. Anyway, good to be back with you, and I have something very special for you on this installment of the podcast. So this is the three-year anniversary of the Redskins announcing that they would be retiring the Redskins name and logo. Yeah, three years ago today, July 13th, 2020, the name Redskins was retired. And so coming up on the show... I'm going to welcome on not one, but two guests and at the same time. The first ever interview of two guests at once on the Al Galdi podcast. I'm going to speak with Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, uh, N-A-G-A, NAGA, a nonprofit organization advocating for increased education about Native Americans and for greater recognition of Native American heritage through the high-profile venues of sports and other public platforms. And Naga wants the commanders to go back to the name Redskins. Uh, Yes, Naga, a Native American group, wants the commanders to go back 
to the name Redskins. Now, (laughs) we all get that that happening is highly unlikely. But as the sale of the team to the Josh Harris group is about to be finalized, and as whether the team should stick with the name Commanders continues to be a major topic, could it be, should it be, that the unthinkable, the inconceivable, the team going back to the name Redskins should in fact be a bigger possibility than it is. When it comes to the whole name conversation, I for years have said that this is an issue on which reasonable people can disagree. So if you're listening to this and saying, no, the team should stick with commanders, or no, the team shouldn't even entertain the notion of going back to Redskins, I hear you, and I understand where you're coming from. But, you know, I've also said that the people who ultimately should determine whether the name Redskins is offensive are Native Americans themselves. Uh, Not white people, okay? Not people in the media, not anyone else, but Native Americans themselves. Now, there certainly are Native Americans who hate the name Redskins, and those people absolutely should be heard. And actually, clearly, those people have been heard. But what about the many Native Americans, maybe even the overwhelming majority of Native Americans, who not only do not find the name Redskins to be offensive, but are angry that the team retired that name? Why haven't those Native Americans been given more of a voice? Well, we're going to attempt to do that. Uh, A special conversation with Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, is coming up. And just to be clear, the spirit of this conversation is not one of divisiveness or contempt or anything like that. The spirit is one of civility and education and of a different perspective from the one uh, that has been amplified the most. So I hope that you enjoy or at least find value in uh, what Eunice and Tony have to say. Uh, But before that, next segment, my reaction to the latest lengthy, ultra-detailed and revelatory report from ESPN on Dan Snyder and our football team. ESPN on Wednesday morning came out with a piece on the leaked emails between Bruce Allen and John Gruden uh, during Bruce's time as a Skins executive and during John's time as an analyst on ESPN's Monday Night Football. The crux of the piece, who leaked the emails? Who was the leaker? Well, the piece paints quite the picture of the possibility of there being multiple leakers, including Dan Snyder and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and now former NFL Players Association Executive Director Demoris Smith. This ESPN piece is quite the tale. A lot to take in. I'll give you my major takeaways from the piece next segment. Uh, A few things before we get to some feedback. The Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, It on Wednesday afternoon announced that the 12-person Seniors Committee has trimmed a list of eligible nominees to 31 semifinalists who advanced to the next round of consideration for election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as members of its class of 2024. Among those 31 semifinalists, Skins, all-time great Left tackle Joe Jacoby. So here we go again with Jake, uh, who, of course, should have been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago. Uh, Also among the semifinalists, former Skins running back Larry Brown, former Skins receiver Henry Ellard, and former Skins linebacker Coral Banks, uh, although he only played for the Skins for one season, the 1993 season. You might say that Coral Banks is more known for his time with the New York Giants, but technically he is a former Redskin. Uh, additionally, the Hall of Fame's 12-person coach-slash-contributor committee reduced the list of nominated candidates to 29 semifinalists who advanced to the next round of consideration. Those semifinalists include... Former Skins head coaches Marty Schottenheimer and Mike Shanahan. Uh, Marty and Mike have very compelling Hall of Fame cases. Marty, over 21 regular seasons as an NFL head coach, had a winning percentage of 613. Uh, Yes, he in the playoffs went just 5-13, but he is one of the best regular season head coaches ever, and he had significant success with three teams, the Cleveland Browns, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the San Diego Chargers. And Mike, yeah, things ended extremely ugly for him (laughs) with the skins. Of that, there is no doubt. But the guy did win back-to-back Super Bowls as Denver Broncos head coach. Uh, Also, the New York Jets, they will be 
the featured team on HBO's Hard Knocks this summer. Uh, That news was broken by ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on Wednesday morning. So the notion of our commanders being the Hard Knocks team this summer now is over. Although uh, the commanders being the team featured on the in-season version of Hard Knocks is a possibility. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I continue to get feedback to something that I first wondered about in the opening segment of Friday's show, episode 607. And that something was whether Chris Paul goes down as the greatest athlete to ever technically be on a Washington, D.C. sports team, but never play a single game uh, for that team. Chris Paul technically was on the Wizards from June 24th to July 6th. Uh, They acquired him in the trade of Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns, and then the Wizards traded Paul to the Golden State Warriors. Now, on Monday's show, episode 608, discussed the uh, nominations of former Capitals goaltender Henrik Lundqvist and uh, Redskins draftee Ernie Davis, uh, the great Syracuse running back. And now we have a new name to enter into the mix. A tweet from Henry, not Henrik Lundqvist, another Henry, uh, writes this, Henry, would you consider Moses Malone the best athlete who never played a game for his intended team. Uh, Thank you for that, Henry. Email from Robert Delaney writes, Robert, enjoy your vacation. It hit me without a doubt. The greatest player to never have played for a Washington area team while being on that team has to be Moses Malone for Lefty and the Terps. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Then decides to go to the ABA. Lundquist and Paul were at the ends of careers, what Lefty could have accomplished with Moses. Uh, Thank you for the email, Robert. Email from Mike. Moses Malone and Maryland come to mind. He was signed by Lefty to Maryland and then signed with the ABA, broke Lefty's heart. Moses might have indeed made Maryland the UCLA of the East. Thanks, Al. Always the show is a pleasure. Thank you for that, Mike. Uh, Yeah, no doubt Moses Malone is worthy of conversation. You know, what's funny about Moses is that he ultimately did play for a Washington, D.C. area team, uh, just not Maryland. Uh, Moses was on the Bullets for two seasons, the 1986-87 and 1987-88 seasons. His age 31 and age 32 seasons, and actually was quite good for the Bullets. Uh, Moses Malone, over those two regular seasons, had per game averages of 22.2 points, 11.2 rebounds, and 1.1 blocks. But yeah, the famous ordeal for Moses Malone with Maryland basketball. Oh, what could have been for the Terrapins? Uh, The head coach at the time, the great lefty Drizel, landed Moses Malone as a recruit, but Moses changed his mind and became the first player in the modern era to go straight from high school to the pros. He signed with the Utah Stars of the ABA. But, you know, you think about what could have been for Maryland with Moses. Uh, The 1974-75 Terps advanced to the Elite Eight where they lost to Louisville. Uh, But that Terps team featured John Lucas and Owen Brown and Steve Shepard and Maurice Howard and Brad Davis. Imagine that team with Moses Malone. A tweet from Mr. Natural 39 of our conversation on Monday's show with Eric Flack, chief investigative reporter for WUSA 9, on the Commander Stadium situation, including the growing momentum for the team's next stadium to be on the side of RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C., writes Mr. Natural 39, did JKC have to leave the RFK site, or did he just want a new stadium? Could the team have played, say, five years at the closest, biggest college while a new stadium was built on the RFK site? Uh, Good question. So, RFK Stadium, originally known as D.C. Stadium, uh, held its first official event in October 1961, a 24-21 Redskins loss to the New York Giants. A D.C. Stadium slash RFK Stadium was the home of the Skins from 1961 through 1996. Uh, also was the home of the Washington Senators from 1962 through 1971. Also was the home of the Nationals from 2005 through 2007. Also has been the home for a bunch of other teams. So J.K.C., the greatest owner in Skins history, Jack Ken Cook, he wanted a new stadium. Uh, RFK Stadium did not change much over the years, and by the mid-1990s was considered antiquated. JKC wanted a new stadium, wanted to put a final stamp on his legacy. Now, could the Skins have figured out a way to stay in D.C.? Yeah, Uh, but that path did not go so well. There ended up being major issues between Jack Ken Cook and the D.C. mayor at the time, Sharon Pratt, 
Uh, Sharon Pratt in July 1992 called JKC, quote, a billionaire bully, end quote. There also was this now infamous thing of Jack Ken Cook actually uh, patting or, or grabbing or pinching Sharon Pratt's rear end. Uh, if you could believe that, I mean, how big of a story would that be today? You know, you think about what was versus what is. But bottom line, we ended up getting the uh, rush job of a stadium in what was initially Jack Kent Cook Stadium. And of course, now is FedEx Field. I mean, understand this about the construction of what is now FedEx Field. That construction started in March 1996 and the stadium opened in September 1997. Think about that. The stadium was built in a year and a half. That is unthinkable today. And of course, FedEx Field being built so quickly uh, meant that it was not built well. Well, a law firm that continues to do well is the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. By the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was recently named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Uh, Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, uh, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of sketchy lawyers. Uh, if your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. You have nothing to lose. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. But don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. There are many things about Dan Snyder owning the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders that uh, I will not miss. One of those things are these massive bombshell reports from ESPN about Dan and the team that come out every few months. (laughs) And I say this not as a shot at the ESPN reporters writing these pieces because one of those reporters, uh, ESPN senior writer Don Van Nader Jr., was on this podcast a few months ago and was excellent. Uh, episode 575, if you missed that conversation, I would highly encourage you uh, to check that out. But I say what I just said really as a shot at the constant cloud hovering over our team to where we are constantly wondering when the next embarrassing revelations about the team are going to come out. Uh, ESPN last October 13th came out with an explosive piece regarding Dan Snyder. Headline, quote, sources. Commander's boss Snyder claims dirt on NFL owners, comma, Goodell, end quote. Uh, The piece made it clear that the NFL wanted Dan Snyder out as commander's owner. The piece also said that Dan had said that he had dug up dirt on other NFL owners and on NFL commissioner Roger Goodell. Uh, ESPN this past February 28th came out with a piece with a headline, quote, how a disputed $55 million loan plays into Fed's probe of commander's End quote. Uh, The crux of that piece was that a secret $55 million loan that Dan Snyder took out in December 2018 without 
the required approval of the Redskins' then-minority owners, Robert Rothman, Dwight Shaw, and Fred Smith, had become a primary focus of federal prosecutors in Virginia who were investigating allegations of financial misconduct by Dan and the team. Uh, ESPN, this past May 12th, came out with a piece with a headline, quote, Sources, Dan Snyder seeks to limit release of inquiry report, end quote. Uh, The basis of that report was that Dan wanted the NFL to limit the release of the Mary Jo White report. And then (laughs) we on Wednesday morning, July 12th, the day after the 2023 MLB All-Star Game, arguably the slowest sports day of the year. We got a report from ESPN senior writers Don Van Dyda Jr. and Seth Wickersham on the leaking of the John Gruden emails. The headline of this piece, quote, he was free and clear how the leak of John Gruden's email led to the fall of Commander's owner Dan Snyder, end quote. And this piece put forth a number of new details and theories regarding the leaking of the John Gruden emails. Now, the beauty of this latest report from ESPN is that Dan Snyder in a week, Thursday, July 20th, is set to be done as owner of the team. NFL owners on Thursday, July 20th, are expected to vote on the sale of the team to the Josh Harris group. And the widespread expectation is that the sale of the team on that day will be finalized, will be completed. So, you know, at this point with Dan Snyder, I feel like we are almost immune to the reports and the exposés and the revelations. But They are still interesting and noteworthy and even important, especially if you were a victim in the workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, John Gruden, on October 11th, 2021, resigned as Las Vegas Raiders head coach off multiple reports of him having used racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language in emails with Bruce Allen. During John's time as an analyst on ESPN's Monday Night Football and during Bruce's time as a Skins executive, Uh, the emails were uncovered via the Beth Wilkinson investigation into the workplace misconduct scandal for Washington. Uh, The emails were revealed via two reports, one by the Wall Street Journal on October 8, 2021, and one by the New York Times on October 11, 2021. It was those leaked emails that not only cost John Gruden his job as Raiders head coach, but also reignited Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. The scandal essentially was over. But then came these leaked emails, which led to the congressional investigation of the workplace misconduct scandal. And a chain of events was set off that ultimately have led us to Dan Snyder doing what was said he would never do, selling the team. The big question for years now has been, who leaked these John Gruden, Bruce Allen emails? A theory has been that Dan Snyder was the source of the leaked emails due to him uh, essentially wanting to exact revenge on Bruce Allen, wanting to hurt Bruce, who Dan believed was part of the alleged smear campaign of Dan in the summer of 2020, along with then disgruntled Washington minority owner Dwight Shaw. The irony of Dan potentially having leaked the emails, of course, is that the emails ultimately are leading to his demise as owner of the team. That irony is an all-timer, man. Well, this piece from ESPN on Wednesday morning did not outright say who leaked the John Gruden, Bruce Allen emails, but the piece did implicate a number of, uh, shall we say, potential leakers, uh, some or even all of whom may have worked together, although there uh, were denials throughout the piece. But these potential leakers were Dan Snyder, top NFL executives, including Roger Goodell, and now former NFL Players Association executive director, Demoris Smith. I have to say, I find all of this fascinating, okay? We start with our guy, Dan Snyder, aka Danny Boy. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, Dan. Uh, So Dan, according to sources for the piece, worked, quote, in an operation run by his New York law firm, Reed Smith, and with help from Desiree Perez, the CEO of Rock Nation, which has a $25 million contract to help the NFL on social justice issues, end quote. Uh, Rock Nation, for those of you who don't know, is Jay-Z's company. 
Uh, regarding top NFL executives, including Roger Goodell being part of the leaking of the emails, uh, as was written in this ESPN piece, quote, sources, including one in ownership, told ESPN that NFL executives approved the release of some emails. Four owners told ESPN they believe Goodell was personally involved, end quote. Uh, yet one of the big themes of this ESPN piece is how John Gruden and Roger Goodell cannot stand each other. Uh, and then with Demora Smith, he, according to the piece, quote, bragged that he was responsible for leaking the racist email referring to him and associate with direct knowledge told ESPN. The leaked email was published on the same day Smith faced a union vote to retain his job End quote. Yeah, the theory with Demora Smith is that he leaked that email in order to come across as a sympathetic figure and save his job, uh, which he did, although uh, he since has been ousted as head of the NFLPA. But how about all of that? You know, the uh, politics, the backroom maneuverings, the Machiavellian tactics, this whole thing is like an episode of House of Cards, which come to think of it makes sense, right? Because uh, the great show House of Cards took place uh, in Washington, D.C. This piece by ESPN made clear what I've said many times. The leaked John Gruden emails reignited the workplace misconduct scandal and ultimately may well have led to Dan Snyder selling the team. Uh, Take a listen to this, quote, no matter how the leaks were engineered, multiple sources draw a direct line from emails that trickled out over a few days in October 2021 to Snyder's crash and his imminent $6.05 billion sale of the commanders. Within days of the leaks, a congressional committee launched a wide-ranging investigation of the commanders and the NFL that forced Goodell, Allen, and Snyder to testify under oath. The congressional inquiry would lead to a federal criminal investigation into alleged financial misconduct by Snyder and the team. As pressure mounted, Snyder bragged to associates that he had collected dirt on his fellow owners in Goodell that could blow up the league. Unfazed, owners finally all but forced Snyder to sell his beloved franchise, although multiple people paid a price or still could for a series of leaks that continue to threaten the NFL and the Nevada courts, no one suffered greater blowback than Snyder. He was free and clear that October. He just had to wait out his suspension and let everything blow over. A source close to Snyder said, a major miscalculation without the leaks, he might just have survived. End quote. Yeah, Dan just might have survived. Uh, Like Walter White in Breaking Bad, Dan Snyder may well have been responsible for his own demise. The poetry of this uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, Another major takeaway for me from this ESPN piece, the jarring new details on the consequences of the findings of the Beth Wilkinson investigation. So we on July 1st, 2021, finally got the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation, which had been publicly launched in a statement that was put out by Dan Snyder on July 17th, 2020. Uh, The outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation was twofold. Uh, A ramification announced by the NFL was Washington paying $10 million, which was to be, quote, used to support organizations committed to character, education, anti-bullying, healthy relationships, and related topics, end quote. Uh, A ramification announced by both the NFL in a statement and by Dan Snyder in a separate statement was that Tanya Snyder, who was named co-CEO of the team just two days earlier, imagine that, what a coincidence, uh, was assuming responsibilities of CEO and overseeing all day-to-day team operations and representation of the club on all league activities, and that Dan, as he said in his statement, would be concentrating his time, quote, during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters, end quote. Well, regarding all of that, how about this from this ESPN piece on Wednesday morning, quote, in June 2021, Dan Snyder's legal team and select league executives gathered at NFL headquarters in Manhattan. In survival mode, Snyder's team of lawyers prepared a defense against the findings from attorney Beth Wilkinson's investigation into the franchise. The previous summer, he had hired Wilkinson to look into the team, a move to keep the league office at arm's distance. But the league quickly had assumed control of Wilkinson's inquiry and quietly struck an accord with Snyder's team, 
a common interest agreement that the owner and the league would share all evidence and material collected and that neither the NFL nor Snyder would release any information from the inquiry without the other's consent. Although it appeared to owners and executives that the league and Snyder had worked together to minimize the investigation's impact, palpable tension existed. In league circles, Goodell appeared to be growing weary of Snyder. During the pandemic, it became a running joke among some owners and executives that when Snyder spoke on video conference calls, Goodell looked irritated or distracted. (laughs) But now Snyder moved beyond simply annoying the league office to causing serious problems. When Snyder's lawyers, famed defense attorney Joe Tacopina, assisted by Reed Smith partners Jordan Sieve and James McCarroll, began to show a series of slides, those in the room were stunned, according to sources. What was presented was not a defense against any of Wilkinson's findings made against Snyder. It was a series of screenshots of potentially embarrassing emails and texts from several top league executives, including Goodell's top lieutenant, Jeff Pash. The rationale, according to a source with firsthand knowledge, was to argue the hypocrisy of league officials judging Snyder. The tactics were so ruthless that some attorneys felt uncomfortable. Although none of the content was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic, the signal was clear. If Goodell didn't do what Snyder wanted in terms of handling the Wilkinson report and punishment, these emails and texts would be leaked. It became known in league circles as the blackmail PowerPoint. League executives and others involved in the case were angry when they were informed of Snyder's tactics, multiple sources told ESPN. From that point on, any direct communication from the league office to Snyder had to be legally vetted. But Snyder's PowerPoint proved effective. A few top NFL executives had persuaded Goodell to give Snyder a stiff and lengthy punishment. But as the time for announcing Snyder's punishment neared, Goodell began to reconsider. By late June, Snyder was dictating his punishment down to every detail, according to a source with knowledge of the deliberations. Legal sources said that Snyder and his lawyers were consulted by NFL executives in the drafting of the news release, with Snyder weighing in on word choices. It was an atypical and collaborative process as compared with the way the league typically meets out punishment, notably in the one-sided judgments after Bounty Gate and Deflategate. Snyder and his team were pleased with the results, later bragging that the discipline was surprisingly light. In the late afternoon of Thursday, July 1st, before holiday weekend, the league announced Snyder's punishment, end quote. (laughs) So how about all of that? Uh, Dan Snyder, as many have suspected, playing an oversized role in determining his punishment and in determining the framing of his punishment from the findings in the Beth Wilkinson investigation. You know, not a single thing in this ESPN piece from Wednesday morning is surprising, given all that we know about the Dan Snyder saga and all that we have become accustomed to in the Dan Snyder saga. But, you know, that doesn't make the revelations in this piece any less ridiculous. Ridiculous has become our new normal as fans of this team, but don't let that reality detract from the reality of all of this still being ridiculous and absurd and totally unacceptable. You know, there's no halo over the NFL's head, but I know for me as a fan of the team, (laughs) I am so looking forward to the end of the clown show, okay? I mean, that has been this Dan Snyder saga, a clown show. I'm over it. I know that so many of you listening are over it. And it will be done in a week. But yeah, I suppose we have to realize that just because the clown show is ending doesn't mean that the revelations about the clown show and what we come to know about the clown show will be ending. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, this episode of the Al Galdi podcast is for Thursday, July 13th, three years ago today, Monday, July 13th, 2020. The Redskins announced that they would be retiring the Redskins name and logo. Uh, The month of July 2020, an all-timer in Washington, D.C. sports history. It was on Thursday evening, July 2nd, 2020, that FedEx issued the uh, following short but oh-so-massive statement. Quote, we have communicated to the team at Washington our request that they change the team name and quote, and nothing, and I mean nothing, has been the same for the team ever since. The Redskins on Friday morning, July 3rd, 2020, issued a statement that led with the following, quote, in light of recent events around our country and feedback from our community, the Washington Redskins are announcing the team will undergo a thorough review of the team's name, end quote. Uh, We later, on Friday, July 3rd, 2020, had multiple reports that the Redskins would be changing their name. Then came the reporting of the Washington Post on Saturday evening, July 4th, 2020, including a piece in which Skins head coach Rod Rivera on the record advocated for the team to change its name. And then we, on Sunday, July 5th, 2020, had multiple reports that Dan Snyder's minority owners wanted out. It was during this month of July 2020 that three major controversies slash scandals for the team erupted. The name change, the ownership turmoil, and the workplace misconduct scandal. And of course, we came to know that all three were very much connected. Uh, Well, here we are three years later. Uh, Dan and Tanya Snyder are selling the team, now known as the Commanders, to the Josh Harris Group in a sale that is expected to be finalized on July 20th via a vote of NFL owners. The name of the team, though, remains a major issue for many people. We'll see if Josh Harris keeps the name Commanders. Uh, We know with near certainty that there's basically zero chance that the team would go back to the name Redskins. But should it be that Josh Harris should be open to the team going back to Redskins. Could it be that the team should have never changed from Redskins to begin with? Uh, Remember what truly triggered the name change, right? The statement from FedEx. Well, one of the Skins minority owners with whom Dan Snyder was feuding at the time was Fred Smith who was the chairman, president, and chief executive officer of FedEx. Heck, Fred Smith founded FedEx in 1971. Fred Smith did not all of a sudden find religion with the name. The name of the team changed because of Dan's feud with his minority owners and because other corporate sponsors got on board with wanting the team to change its name. Now, why those corporate sponsors got on board is another conversation. My stance on the issue of the name Redskins has always been that it is the opinions of those of Native American heritage that matter the most. Uh, We're all entitled to our opinions, but the opinions that matter the most are those of people of Native American heritage. And what bothered me as much as anything about what happened in the summer of 2020 is that nobody seemed interested in finding out what Native Americans actually truly thought about the name Redskins. The statement from FedEx came out. The country was swept up in everything that happened off the murder of George Floyd, and that was it. The name was gone. And so what now? 
Again, the name Redskins almost certainly is gone for good. But should it be gone for good? Well, a group that most certainly believes that Josh Harris should bring back the name Redskins is the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, N-A-G-A. NAGA is a 501c3 nonprofit organization advocating for increased education about Native Americans, especially in public educational institutions and advocating for greater recognition of Native American heritage through the high-profile venues of sports and other public platforms. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast two members of NAGA, Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews. Uh, Eunice Davidson is a Native American Guardians Association board member. Uh, she was the first presiding president and was a founding member of the Naga grassroots movement. Uh, Eunice is a full-blood Dakota Sioux and an enrolled member of the Spirit Lake Tribe from North Dakota. Uh, Tony Andrews, he runs Naga's web and social media operations, and he is a longtime fan of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. Uh, Eunice and Tony, it is very nice to have you on the show. Uh, Before we get to the commanders, I have to say, what first got my attention from the Native American Guardians Association uh, is your mantra, educate, not eradicate. Uh, I think that's a very effective, impactful, clever mantra. Eunice, uh, tell us, if you would, about the meaning of that uh, and about the mission of NAGA. Okay, well, it's very simple, educate, not eradicate. When we started out doing this in 2014, I'm one of the one of the co-founders of NAGA. Due to the fighting Sioux issue, I put out some messages on Facebook, and lo and behold, I got contacted by a couple guys who said, we got to do something, because it was going after the Redskins at the time. So we started talking to people. People started connecting to us and emailing us, asking us for uh, if we would help their communities out the East Coast. So we started to do that. I asked one lady one time from Conrad. Um, I don't know exactly where Conrad is, if that's in Pennsylvania or New York. I don't remember. <laughs> We've worked so many schools. But anyway, after I said, so, so what is it that you need from us? And she said, you know, she said, you're, uh, you're, you're Native American. And I said, I am a full blood Dakota Sioux. And I said, I grew up on a reservation. The only reason why I don't live on the reservation is because of the lack of housing. But I told her, I said, yeah, I said, what can I help you with? And she said, can you tell me why you totally support names like the Redskin and all these images? I said, told her, I said, well, I said, I wish I could tell you more than how I feel, but I can't tell you any more than I support keeping them because it keeps us relevant today, in today's society. I said, we are the smallest minority in this country. I said, um, we, I said, I know on my reservation, I said, we have over a majority of our Indians who totally support these names and images. And then she started, she's, she asked me, she said, you know, we really need to be educated about this. And I said, yeah, a lot of people do. I said, but we can't reach anybody. We're pretty isolated and we don't get coverage or anything. And she said, well, if we, you know, how can we do that? And I said, well, we have to get out there somehow. And it slowly started coming together. But the biggest thing that when I start talking with Andre Bellidou and Mark Yellowhorse, Mark Yellowhorse is from the Navajo nation. He's, um, Navajo, of course. Andre was from Washington, D.C. at the time, and he was really invested in trying to help with the Redskins any way he could. He's not Native. Um, but anyways, we started talking about it, and we said, well, we need to educate people. That's what we need to do. And that's where we came up with the, the mantra or the motto of educate, not eradicate. So our mission statement basically is just to educate more people about why We support these names and images, but not only that, we have so many issues on reservations that need to be dealt with. Poverty, homelessness, um, abuse, alcohol and drug abuse, um, suicide. It's unreal what we have to deal with. Now we're we're trying to do this to save our names and images because we feel to to get rid of all of those, that's going to cause more genocide to our people, to our heritage. When it comes to how Native Americans truly felt about an NFL team being called the Redskins, the data has been very interesting. And just to go through the specifics of the data, 
So September 2004, Annenberg Public Policy Center of the University of Pennsylvania found that 90% of American Indians were not bothered by Redskins as the name of Washington's football team. A total of 768 people were surveyed. Uh, May 2016, a Washington Post poll found that 90% of Native Americans uh, were not offended by the Redskins' name. The poll was of 504 people via phone across every state and Washington, D.C. August 2019, a survey of Native Americans found proud as the word that best reflected their feelings about the Redskins' name. Uh, The survey was conducted by the marketing research firm Wolveri, with help from Gazelle Global Research Services, and was conducted through a web-based survey of 500 people who self-identified as Native American. Uh, Now, to be fair, February 2020, a study by UC Berkeley of, quote, more than a thousand self-identified adult Native Americans, end quote, found that 49% of participants strongly agreed or agreed that the Redskins' name was offensive, while 38% were not bothered by the name. Uh, The remainder were undecided or indifferent. I guess, like a lot of things, whatever your position is, you can find research to support that position. But Eunice, well, I know that you don't speak for all Native Americans. Uh, Is it your experience that an overwhelming majority of Native Americans do not have a problem with the name Redskins and never had a problem with the name Redskins? Absolutely. Absolutely. You come on almost any reservation and you'll see them wearing the Redskin logo. The reason they the reason they really associate it's well Redskins. First of all, I've seen these new definitions of Redskins, and it's absolutely a joke. It is the definition was actually created by some of our ancestors way back in the eight, early eighteen hundreds. Black Thunder. He used the definition to to the difference between the red skin and white skin. He talked to the let's see, Black Elk is the one that talked to President Monroe. And he said we are. He said we are. Um, he said we are the Redskins. He said we're. He said and you we are the White Skins. That's all they. That's all they used it for. It was never meant to be a derogatory term or anything other than that, and just to describe the color of our skin because we are proud because we are Redskins. And I, you know, if our ancestors it was good enough for them, and like I always tell everybody. They defined it. They made the definition of that, not this new dictionary slur that they have out there. They've taken these words and just twisted them and turned them to fit their narrative. So, yeah, most by most majority of Native Americans in this country that I've talked to, and I've talked to many, believe me, they they asked, they said, why don't, who's doing this? And why are they saying this? And I said, well, it's just a narrative that some people want. It's coming from the education system, from everything I've researched. The education system has had a, a lot to do with this to turn this around the way they wanted it, and I and I don't like it. Tony, you as a fan of the team understand uh, the saga of the name quite well. We understand that Josh Harris bringing back the name Redskins is almost certainly not going to happen for a variety of reasons. At the same time, it would seem possible, if not probable, that Harris is going to at least examine the issue of the name from a standpoint of whether the team should change from commanders. What should Josh Harris understand about the issue of the name Redskins? Well, I, I would uh, defer to say that, you know, if they're willing, if they're open-minded, they're willing to listen to both sides of the issue, then they will find that 90% of Native Americans love their names and imagery. It's that simple. 2004, 2016, Annaberg, Washington Post. Washington Post, who's been no friend to the Redskins' name, even in 2019, tried to conduct a poll and ask, what word do you associate with Redskins most to Native Americans? The number one word, pride. Pride. So this has not gone, gone away. And the Native American imagery and names specific to to Redskin is one thing, but just up in uh, Canton, Michigan last week, 95.4% of Native Americans that answered a 6,200-person poll gave verbatim comments. 95.4% want to keep their names and imagery. This is not specific to Redskins. It's not specific to Chiefs or any other name. Indians, across the board, the opposition lumps everything together. The Redskins, as Eunice has, has 
has said is a self-describing name. It's something that we feel very the the Naga organization and natives as a whole feel very strongly about. So if the if the Josh Harris group is being held to their word that they will listen to both sides of the discussion, that's kind of in the entire uh, ethos of Naga. Let's talk. Let's discuss. You've had Howard Gutman on the uh, uh, as a guest, and he has said that they are open minded. Let's have that discussion. And when things are finalized. We are more than ready to discuss, present our position, and let the chips fall where they may. And it's not an either or. There, there's, there's Redskins, there's Native American tribal designations and, and partnerships. Uh, there's certification programs that we put uh, logos and monikers through and names. And Eunice could talk more about what we do with, with schools and with other businesses to show them exactly maybe what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right. Tony, it's funny you mentioned the Chiefs and something that has cracked me up and that I know has bothered a lot of fans of the Commanders is Chiefs fans doing their version of the tomahawk chop, uh, what is known as the arrowhead chop, and that getting shown on television all of the time, including uh, every NFL postseason now with the Kansas City Chiefs being perennial Super Bowl contenders, and yet there being very little outrage over this. There has been some, but not a ton, certainly nowhere near as much vitriol as there was for the name Redskins, even though you could argue that the chop is a lot worse than the name Redskins. Why the double standard? I just don't think it gets as much attention, but there is definitely a minority of Native Americans that are against the Chiefs mascot and their use of their uh, their imagery, but I'm not here to advocate for them. I'm here to advocate for what the Chiefs do. They have a partnership with their local uh, tribes, and, and they do review how they use their uh, their imagery and how they how they use uh, uh, their name. So let them argue for for that. And having that, I would call it, uh, agreement with the tribe is the baseline for acceptance, it seems, publicly. The notion of the commanders striking a deal with a Native American tribe or tribes. Uh, Eunice, what would go into such an arrangement? Well, I know right now that Kansas City Chiefs, they do have quite a few uh, Native Americans that go there for Native American Heritage Month, and they bring their flag that represents their tribe. And there's quite a few leaders, or a few leaders that go to that. I know Naga has been there with our flag, and we've um, marched in there. Um, But the agreement with the tribe, you know, it would be up to the tribe individually, the tribal leaders, what they would want, I suppose, you know, like scholarships, the ordinary I, I suppose you know, like when we did our when we did our lawsuit out here in North Dakota for the fighting Sioux, uh, we put in there that they could use it perpetually forever. Uh, the the U- University of North Dakota, but we also wanted to have you know like some scholarships, uh, a little more help with the students that go to UND to the university because you know a lot of the students don't have any money for housing and food and stuff like that while they stay there besides so I you know it all depends on what the you know of course you got to use it respectfully which almost everybody that has an image and a logo Native American image logo it is used respectfully a lot of people go off the rail and say well look at the fans and I said well that's the fans you can't control the fans but you know I, I think uh, I think that you know the the NFL and uh, collegiate teams and even the high schools would definitely, you know, help make um, come to an agreeable agreement to use the terms if they wanted to. So, I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Much more with Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of Naga in moments. I'm going to next ask Eunice what her response is to those Native Americans who disagree with her on the name Redskins. But what we can all agree on is that the home and auto insurance markets are messes right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Uh, You right now have every reason to shop your home at auto insurance. And that's why you should get 
with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, what's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, which is a nonprofit organization advocating for increased education about Native Americans and for greater recognition of Native American heritage through the high-profile venues of sports and other public platforms. And NAGA wants the commanders to go back to the name Redskins. So Eunice, as you know, there are Native Americans who disagree with you on the name Redskins. Uh, These people find the name offensive. They want no part of the name. Uh, To those people, you say what? Well, you know, they have their opinion, and that's fine. But we have ours. I have mine. I've never seen anything wrong with the Tomahawk Chop or so forth, they call it. I mean, it was just started out as a as a slant of the arm, I don't know, I guess, to mean the goal, you know, for their team or whatever. And then all of a sudden it was he became the tomahawk chop. And actually, I, I don't see nothing wrong with it. I have talked to uh, I have talked to some people who are against it. And, you know, we've, we've discussed it. You know, they have their opinion, and I don't see, I guess I just don't agree with them. I don't think it's derogatory. I don't see where it would hurt anybody. You know, I, I tell people if it hurts you and it bothers you, then don't look at it. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> you, know, you know why? Yeah, you don't have to wear wear any of the gear or anything. We're not making you do that. You know, there's many things that I don't like, but you don't see me out there trying to change the whole world. <laughs> and 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 Al, just to add there, you know, when you go through all the polling data, it's ninety percent feel one way, and when you're taking away and eradicating culture in the public eye, you are you are offending the ninety percent. And this right. issue never goes away. When something as as uh, one-sided as 90% gets overturned, it's a wound that never heals. It doesn't go away. This, this argument that, oh, just like commanders grow, oh, everything will be fine. No, there's a, there's a very significant portion that look at this as a cultural wrong. Right. I can add to that, too, uh, L. In 2012, they retired the Fighting Sioux name at the University of North Dakota. 2023, and you go into any hockey game, and you will see nothing but the Sioux logo yet. They still add to the, um, when they sing the um, national anthem, they, they say the home of the Sioux. Uh, when they score a goal, you know, the, of course, the announcer has to say the Fighting Hawks. But they say, go Sue, yes, Sue. I mean, it, it hasn't changed. In fact, it's grown. Of course, I, I wrote I wrote a book about the controversy of the fighting Sue back in 2014. I released it. It's called Aren't We Sue Enough? And that really gave a lot of hope to the fans to see a Native American write a book and tell the whole truth about what happened. And, you know, it was definitely back then we didn't call it a woke movement, but that's what it was. And North Dakota, they're, they're the ones that I heard more than we are. I mean, we're very seldom, we're, we're basically censored, our group is. And because uh, we have a lot of people, I can tell you, 
that contact us. And a lot of Native Americans that tell us to keep fighting for them. Another thing that I always ask some of the Native Americans that I tell them, I said, our, our tribe, I said, we formed a committee in 2009. And we went ahead and did a poll on our reservation. And we had found out we had over almost 1,100 people who wanted to save it. The reason I say that number is we have 1,200 people who can actually vote on our reservation. But anyway, we found out they wanted that. So we did a petition to have our tribal chairwoman put it on the ballot. And we got it on the ballot. There was quite a few steps that went into it. But we did get it on the ballot in 2009. And the largest turnout for voting on that day ever was for the fighting Sioux issue. And I say that because you can tell by the one 700 and I don't know how much, 740 some that voted for it, 300 and I don't remember exact 340 some that voted against it. I mean, that's almost the whole, everybody that could vote when you add the two numbers together. So it was, it was very, a very big issue. Well, when we voted for that, of course, you know, we, we got downplayed. They didn't ever hardly talked about it in the media on North Dakota. As I said earlier, to me, it is the opinions of actual Native Americans that should determine whether the name Redskins is offensive. And maybe the name is offensive. I don't disregard the opinions of Native Americans who don't like the name. But going back to the summer of 2020, one of the things that I remember being said by the anti-name camp was that changing the name was on the right side of history, that changing the name would look better and better as time goes on. Well, Here we are three years later, there still are a lot of fans of the team and former fans of the team who are outraged over the name Redskins having been retired, and we have an organization like NAGA consisting of Native Americans strongly advocating for the team to go back to being the Redskins. So, you know, maybe changing the name wasn't being on the right side of history. Maybe changing the name was a big mistake. Maybe changing the name was the work of non-Native Americans who insisted that they knew what was best for Native Americans. Is that how you see this? Exactly. I, You know, you go and read articles about this issue with the Redskins, especially the Redskins. You're not going to hardly ever see, they, they never contact the supporters. They know we're out here, but they don't contact them. Almost every article you read, you don't see anything from us. And if it is from us, it's very little snippets they take out of what we say and they put it together the way they want it. It's the media that's doing it to us. If we could get some media coverage on, on, on Native Americans, you would see a different um, different outcome of who wants it. Believe me, I, I I know we have done so much work on this, it's just unreal. I mean, we're just busting out the seams to get out there, but they won't let us. They, in fact, they just they censor. They, I think, Tony, they just censored our Facebook page on Facebook for a month. And we had no idea what we did or what we said or what was wrong. And, yeah, so it's, yeah. But, no, you would see you would see a different outcome if they were truly honest and if they put us out there and let us have a fair debate and a fair fight. Tony, as I've been saying, the likelihood of the commanders going back to the name Redskins is almost zero, Okay. Uh, That said, if the team going back to Redskins was opened up as a possibility, do you think that the fan reaction to that would be anything but overwhelmingly positive? Yes, there would be some people who would not be happy, but the vast majority of fans would be happy, would be thrilled. Absolutely. I I think we all thought that with the new owner, there'd be this groundswell of support for the team. With the maybe moved back to RFK would be another, if you broke it up, 33%, 33%, 33% would be a new um, helpful thing for the team. Changing the name back to Redskins would absolutely bring the 90% of the fans, 90% of Native Americans all together. And this really isn't, and you, you, you put it back earlier, you said, well, maybe it's a, you know, people that aren't Native Americans shouldn't be deciding what's important to Native Americans. Well, then they also talk about a political thing. And really, when you take a look at it, and some of the the polling, 94% of liberally leaning Native Americans are for bringing back the name. Uh, Excuse me, 94% of conservative, 86% of liberals, and 91% in the middle. So this is really about an honoring Native American opinion thing. And, And the other piece I'd like to say 
is that when you have a good third of the fan base just retracting from the team, and that's my estimation, about a third retracting from the team, you're losing a generation, losing a generation of fathers and sons, of, of families going and, and celebrating the Redskins. Bringing that back into the fold is absolutely key. And if it isn't Redskins, it needs to be something that's Native American, and there has to be some way of bringing these people and bringing closure to the, to the issue. I don't believe there's any closure to the issue right now. And I think Redskins is not offensive. It's something that majority of fans and majority of Native Americans love. So what are we really talking about? All right. For people who want to find out more about what the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, is all about, uh, how can those people go about finding more? So nagaeducation.org is our website. Uh, we have a top misconceptions area of the website where you can see the different discussions that go on and our responses to it. And, and uh, you know, we're on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Native American Guardians is a, is a name. Just search us up and you can find us in Google as well. Excellent. Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA. Uh, I thank you both very much for your time. And all the best to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate the call. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 610. We'll provide you with more on the commanders and more. Uh, have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll talk to you on Friday. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.